So our last segment on the halacha of kashrus, we spoke a little bit yesterday about bread in terms of bishal akum and pas akum and pas palter, and there's a churman Shabbos to avoid pas palter and only use bread that a Jew baked. Um, but let's move on to the next topic of bread, and that is afrosh aschala. Something to be a little concerned of, this became more of an issue, it seems like, after COVID, where many people started doing a lot of baking on their own in their house, and sour bread became a whole big, huge uh, culture and a big thing. And people who previously were not into making breads for Shabbos started doing it, unaware of the fact of the, the mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah. Now, Rosh Hashanah is a mitzvah of in Chutz Laaretz, it's Doiraisa in Eretz Israel. But if challah is not taken, it forbids the challah to be eaten. Now, there are leniencies with regards to challah that was not taking off. And that is that if you're stuck in a situation where you find out that challah was not removed, you may continue eating it on Shabbos with the intent that there's going to be a piece taken, taken out and separated as a precious challah later. Now, doing that is only okay here in America or other places, Chutz because it's Rabbanan, they gave that leniency that when you're stuck, you could eat with the intent of separating that Rosh Hashanah later. However, if you're going to a Simcha, you're going to somebody that made a Simcha in their own house, or a place where they have uh, you know, personal people sending in stuff, you know, hopefully you're dealing with people that are familiar with that Allah of Rosh Hashanah, and they did so. But it is something to be concerned about, especially when you get into these artisan breads where very often private people are making it. With, so there's a cautious concern, which hopefully that people are very well versed of. But there's this cautious durabonan concern. Was Afrosh Aschala taken? Now, just a quick halacha about Afrosh Aschala. Um, the amounts that are necessary, we all know that a full bag of flour being used in a batter in one batch of challah is going to be requiring a hafrosh aschala with a bracha. But less than that also requires hafrosh uh, aschala, just it's done without a bracha. Pretty much a half a bag of flour will also require 10 cups of flour in a recipe would require hafrosh aschala, but without a bracha. A full bag of flour, five pounds of flour in a batch, that would require with a bracha. The last thing I want to talk about with bread is the halacha that you cannot make bread milachigs or fleishigs. There was a great concern that Chazal had that since bread is the staple of all meals, it gets eaten in all different types of meals. If you have bread that's dairy, it may end up in a meat meal. If you have bread that's meat, it may end up in a dairy meal. And therefore, there's halachas that we may not have regular normal bread. We'll talk about the exclusions in a moment. In our houses, we can't make it. And if it is made, it's treif. We cannot even eat that bread on its own. So bread that's made with butter may not be eaten even alone, even for toast, Whatever, it's usher midrabbanan for that bread to be made, and it's usher as well for it to be eaten even without any other foods. Similarly, if bread for some reason was made fleshigs with maybe some meat inside it, or made with some kind of gravy or oil that made it fleshigs, you're not allowed to do that in the first place. And if it was done, you may not even eat it with meat. You cannot eat it at all alone. It becomes treif midrabbanan. Now, there are a few exclusions to this rule. One of them is 
make it in a way that's recognizably different than regular bread. Hence, this is why you go into any Jewish kosher bakery, cheese danishes are a whole different shape and form than the chocolate, cinnamon, and vanilla danishes. Because all the other danishes are these rolls, pretty much, these oversized rugalock type of thing. And suddenly the cheese danishes are either these square folded over things, some kind of difference. And if they're not made differently, they must have a sticker labeling them. And that's why sometimes you go to these uh, old style bakeries, they'll have a little sticker attached to the cheese danishes because they just make round danishes and they make round cinnamon, round chocolate, round fruit, and round dairy. And if they have a round dairy one, it's got to come with a sticker on it. So if, you, if you'd like to make a dairy bread, it has to be made with a recognizably different shape or form or something attached to it that identifies it as dairy. Secondly, there's another header, and that is if you are making a custom batch for a specific purpose and to be used in one day. So you're just making bread for first day shvuas. You're just making a fleshiga bulkala for your purim su'uda. If you're making it small batch, it's not going to be used in other meals. You know what's being used for. It's a targeted meal specifically, then it is permitted. I'll end off by saying this belongs in Ripley's, believe it or not. I was once out of town in Lancaster, shopping in a whatever, ShopRite, Walmart type of place, and getting hot dog buns because I was making a barbecue for my students. And they had hot dog buns that were kosher dairy. Now, first of all, that's impossible because since it's a bun, like regular buns, it's Osir Midra Bun, and I don't remember the cashless agency that gave the, the cashless, but it's not true. If it's dairy, then it's not kosher. That's number one. Number two, who on earth would make kosher dairy hot dog buns? But it, believe it or not, it exists. Everybody have a wonderful Shabbos.